1: He's lying there as skinny as can be because he just can't stomach to eat another one of those dehydrated meals. Skinnier than he's been in a long time. And he's hungry, but he's just so tired of the same thing all the time. So he'd rather be hungry than eat another meal, another one of those MREs. He's lying there in the dirt with his sack under his head and the sky is an ominous shade, an ominous hue of red and orange. It's red and orange because the Wells, The oil wells have all been lit, and so it's causing this mysterious, this eerie glow all across the horizon. There's no silence for his sleep. Artillery going off in the background, shots fired in the distance. He learned long ago to stop taking his boots off before he'd lay his head down for the night because he'd always wake up and have to put them right back on. But there he is in the midst of his sacrifice, giving what he can for his country, sleep deprived, hungry beyond imagination, and lonely beyond words, even in the midst of his brothers. And he's lying there at night, clutching a picture of his newborn son that he's never met, staring at the picture by flashlight, longing for home, but knowing that it's not going to come anytime soon sacrifice. An amazing picture of sacrifice. We had these veterans stand who have given of their time, given of their families' time, given of their resources, given portions of their life to go and to serve our country, to protect our freedoms, the freedoms that we take for granted so often. And their sacrifice is harrowing. But all of us, sacrifice in one form or another maybe your sacrifice is a little more subtle mothers who are in this room do you remember holding your child for the first time and looking down into your child's eyes and thinking to yourself there isn't anything that i wouldn't do for this little baby i would give anything for this little baby it's the dad who's taking extra hours or maybe even working a second job to provide for braces for his daughter it's the husband and wife that work tirelessly out in the hot sun, picking lettuce in the field so that their children can have a better future and have an education and have a better life than they ever could have dreamed of. Sacrifice. We all sacrifice in some way or in some form or another. The secret to sacrifice and the reason why we sacrifice is we sacrifice when the object of our sacrifice is worthy of our sacrifice that baby is worthy that daughter with the crooked teeth she's worthy those children in home that are getting an education because of the hard work of those parents they're worthy and that country that the veteran is fighting for is worthy in all of their eyes of their sacrifice you see love will always demonstrate itself through sacrifice You will always know when you are being loved or when you are loving another through what you're willing to sacrifice to lay down on their behalf. And we're never closer to the heart of God than we we are in a spirit and a demeanor of sacrifice. We never quite know the Lord the way we know the Lord when we're giving of ourselves for something or someone that we love dearly. Have you ever been in that place? where you put aside your own selfish ambitions and desires, your own needs and wants, your own dreams, so that you can pursue the dreams of another, so that you can aid or help someone else fulfill their call, their destiny in life. Jesus was that kind of lover. He loved so desperately that he made and he gave the ultimate sacrifice for you. And if it had only been you, he would have made that sacrifice only for you. If you were the only person in this sanctuary this morning, if you were the only person that would ever come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, he would have went to the cross for you because that's how much he loves you. And so if we are going to truly be pursuers of God, if we're going to pursue God the way God is worthy of being pursued, we have to know what it means to sacrifice to lay down a portion of ourselves to lift another up, to give a portion of our desires and our dreams so that another can be blessed. Make no mistake, though, sacrifice is never easy. As a matter of fact, sacrifice is always costly, always. Sacrifice is costly. Do you know why? Because sacrifice involves surrender. We have to surrender, lay something down of ourselves in order to uplift another. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22 with me. We're going to begin here today, this morning. We're going to move around a little bit, but we're going to begin in Genesis. And in Genesis, we have this amazing account of God, Genesis 22. It's an amazing account of God coming to Abraham and saying, Abraham, I want you to make the ultimate sacrifice Yes, I know that I promise that through your seed, all of the nations of the world will be blessed. I realize that your son, the son of promise, your only son, Isaac, the only son of promise, Isaac, is the one that you're assuming all of these blessings will come through. But God comes to Abraham in Genesis 22, and he says, I want you to make the ultimate sacrifice. Read verse 2 with me. God says to Abraham, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah. The word Moriah literally means foreseen of Jehovah. God sees what's going to happen. And it's interesting that on the same mountain range, Jesus would be crucified years later scene of Jehovah. God knows his plan. God knows the story that he's writing. God knows exactly what he's asking Abraham to do, but he says, I want you to go to the land of Moriah and offer there Isaac. Offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. To offer him up, the word means to lift up and to surrender. To lift up, to offer up, to extend out and to say, I am giving this part of myself to you. God is calling Abraham to do the unthinkable. He says, take that son, your only son, and I want you to offer him up to me there as a burnt offering. Imagine what must be going through Abraham's mind. He's going to have to slay his son and then watch his son be burned in order to worship God the way God is calling him to worship. Verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey. He took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, three days it took to travel about 50 miles. 50 miles from Beersheba to where the sacrifice was to take place in Moriah or at Moriah. On the third day, Abraham's been carrying around this weight of what he's been called to do by God for three full days. And on the third day, he lifted his eyes and he saw the place afar of off. Verse five And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder to worship, but we will come back to you. Did you hear that? We're going to go yonder to this place to worship. The word means to literally bow down to pay homage to something or another. To lay down, the Greek translation of this word would be to kiss the hand of a king. We're going to bow before God. We're going to kiss the hand of God. We're going together, but we will return to you. It's as if Abraham in these three days time has reckoned within his heart. I don't understand what God is doing, but I know God's promises must come to pass. And if God has called me to slay my son, then all I can imagine is that he must also be able to raise my son from the dead. So we will return to you. Verse 6. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering. Listen to the picture here. Because what we have here is a shadow, a foreshadowing of sacrifice. Every good story has some good foreshadowing involved in it. Every good novel has some foreshadowing. It's a hint. The author is dropping hints of what's going to come later on. And so here we have in this story a foreshadowance of the sacrifice that's going to come. But it says here in verse 6, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. Just like Jesus, the son of God, would years later carry a cross on his back but collapse under its weight. He laid it on Isaac, his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, he said, Here I am, son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself. Literally, God will provide himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Abraham says, God is going to provide Jehovah Jireh, God will provide this offering. God will provide the lamb. Little did Abraham know and understand that God would become the lamb. Jesus himself would become the lamb of sacrifice, the proof of his love for you and for me. So he says, God will provide the sacrifice. Verse nine, then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and he laid him upon the altar, upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand. He took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. In verse 1, it says that God came to Abraham and tested him. The, The word to test means to put to proof, to prove something's worth. And so God comes to Abraham to prove to Abraham what's inside of him. And he wants to see in Abraham, is there anything, Abraham, that you would withhold from me? How well do you know me? How well do you know of my worth? Do you believe that I'm worthy of anything and everything that I could possibly ask you to give? And Abraham's answer is in our text. He says, If you're calling me to give my son, I will give my son because you are worthy and i believe that even if you call me to give my son that you are able to raise him from the dead because you have promised me that the nations will be blessed through my son pause for a moment here and ask yourself the question what is there in your life that is too big a sacrifice that if god were to come to you and say my child this is what i'm calling you to give what is that thing What is that thing where you say, I will give, I will sacrifice, I will surrender up to a certain point, but beyond that point is mine, God, and you need to stay out of my business. That belongs to me. Everything else is yours except what's beyond that line. Let me tell you something right now, my friends. What's beyond that line has a name, and its name is idolatry. And that idol will destroy your life, and it will draw you and pull you away from the God who loves you. God never intended for Abraham to sacrifice his son, he just wanted to make sure that Abraham's heart was there for him. Is your heart, does your heart belong to the Lord? Let me say it again love will always demonstrate itself through sacrifice. There is no question that Abraham loves God here. Would anyone doubt Abraham's love and his affection for the God who called him? No. What is there that God is calling you to give in your life? Now, I can't imagine when I first had Caleb, my firstborn, my only son, I can't imagine looking into his eyes and saying, like God said, I'm going to sacrifice you so that all of the rest of the world can be saved so that all the rest of humanity can be saved, so that everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus can be saved. I can't imagine looking down at my son with the love that filled my heart and saying, I'm willing to give of my son so that others can know Christ. But that's exactly what God's love led him to do. Sacrifice is bearable when the object of that sacrifice is worthy. Pause for a second and let that sink in. Sacrifice is bearable when the object of that sacrifice is worthy. Who did Jesus come to sacrifice himself on the behalf of? Everyone, raise your hand. That's you sacrifice is bearable when the object of that sacrifice is worthy. And to think in eternity's mind's eye when the father has the son and he looks into the son's eyes, the father looks into Jesus' eyes and he says, I'm willing to sacrifice you because they are worthy of it. Because you are worthy of it. And for Jesus to accept that, For Jesus to say, I agree with your plan, Father, I agree that they are worthy, and so I will gladly go to give my life in their place so that they can know you, so that they can have fellowship restored with you. Can there be any greater sacrifice to give of a child in such a manner? The scripture says in Philippians chapter 2, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Literally, that word is kenosis in the Greek. It means to empty. It means literally to surrender a title or a position. The scripture says that he made himself of no reputation. He emptied himself. He surrendered his rights. He surrendered his life. He surrendered his everything because he saw you as worthwhile of that sacrifice. If God was willing to give that much for you, I ask you this question. Are you living a life today that is worthy of that kind of sacrifice? Or are you wasting the life that Jesus spent his life to secure? He emptied himself. He surrendered himself completely. And this was God's plan. For God so loved the world that he gave. He surrendered his only begotten son that whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. He gave his son upon the altar. He sacrificed his son because of his love for you. God demonstrated his love for us that while we were still in sin, Christ died for us. What more proof could you ask for? What more proof do you need? Now, when I consider the sacrifice of Jesus, Jesus' sacrifice Challenges me to do a few things. The first thing that I want you to write down there is Jesus' sacrifice challenges me to lay down my own rights. When that verse says that he emptied himself, he surrendered himself of position, he gave up what he had in, in the kingdom. He gave up what he had in eternity. He gave up what he had in heaven so that he could come as a man. He came as a baby, he had to wear diapers. He had to be changed. He had to be bathed. He had to be fed. He gave up that secure position in heaven to come as a baby so that he could redeem mankind. He gave up a portion of what he deserved. He gave it over freely. Now, this goes against the capitalistic mindset of America, right? Capitalism says you make the most, you do the most, and you look out for number one. And there's there's nothing wrong when, with capitalism if it's focused in the right areas. If it's selfishness, if it's for pride's sake, then it's wrong. But if you're trying to do what you can, to earn what you can, to raise what you can so that you can be a blessing to God in the kingdom, then amen, go for it. But listen to this. Jesus gave of himself. He gave something up. He gave a portion of his liberty. He gave a portion of what he deserved so that he could come and redeem you. In 1 Corinthians, there is a problem Happening, And there were people that were eating meat sacrificed to idols, and it was stumbling their brothers in Christ. They kept eating it, they kept eating it, they kept eating it. And Paul says this, he says, you might have the liberty to eat that meat, but you cannot use that liberty to stumble your brother in Christ. If it's stumbling the person next to you, stop eating the meat. You understand what I'm saying? He's saying give up a portion of that liberty that you have. When it comes to alcohol at this church, we've chosen, leadership has chosen to abstain from alcohol because we minister to men and women who are coming out of addiction. So we give up that liberty because it's more important to us to minister to people who are coming out of addiction. And what would they think if they see the pastor drinking a beer? They think, you know what, if the pastor can drink a beer, I can drink a beer, I can do it in control. And then they're right back in the pit that they started in. Now, is drinking wrong? No, the Bible says being drunk is wrong. But we choose as leadership to give up that liberty because we want to reach people with the gospel. We don't want to stumble our brother or our sister. You understand? In 1 Corinthians, they were also having a trouble. They were suing one another. And this is what Paul says to them. He says, you know what? You guys should just allow yourselves to be wronged rather than to sue your brother or your sister. You're you're making a mockery of the kingdom. You're not being a good testimony. You should just let yourself be wrong. You should give up a portion of yourself. Now, here's the thing. The Bible speaks and teaches in paradoxes. The, The scripture says that the greatest is the one who serves the most. Have you read that? The Bible doesn't say the greatest is the one who has the most servants. The greatest is the one who serves the most people. The scripture says that the first will be last, but the last will be first, right? There's nothing wrong with wanting to do well and wanting to be successful and being driven to succeed, but why are you doing it? What's your motivation? Is your motivation to bring God glory, or is your motivation to have another car in the garage, giving up a portion of yourself so that you can see the kingdom advance, This is what Jesus' sacrifice challenges me to do on a daily basis, challenges me to do every day. Not only are we to give up or lay down or surrender some of our rights, we're to surrender or lay down some of our desires. Some of our desires in Philippians chapter 2 it says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others as better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. To not be selfish, to not be conceited. The word means to brag or to boast, but to have a lowly, humble, a sense of humility in your life that you esteem others as greater than yourself, that you regard them or consider them and their needs more important than your own, to give up some of your own desires, to lay them down so that you can be a blessing to those around you, to think of yourself second and to think of others first. What would the world look like if we all esteemed others' needs as greater than our own? What would the world look like if we all had the mindset of humility, not a mindset that we were bragging or conceited and treating one another with conceit? Would, would we have the issues that we're having politically today if we all put other people's needs above our own? If we all thought about other people first, what, what would happen if we started treating people with dignity and humility? This is what Jesus' sacrifice calls me to do, to lay down a portion of my own desires. We see Jesus... At one point in time in the Gospels, it says that he sets his eyes steadfastly on Jerusalem. He sets his eyes steadfastly. His face is like Flint, set to go to that place where he knows he will give his life. That isn't his desire. That's not what he wants, but that's what's needed for all of us. And so he sets his mind and he will not be deterred. He has laser focus on going to the cross. At another point in time in scripture, in, in John chapter 4, it says that he needed to go through the area of Samaria. Now, for a Jew to go through a Samaritan village was taboo. They wouldn't find themselves there for anything. They would go around Samaria whenever possible, but the scripture says that Jesus needed to go through Samaria because he had an appointment with a woman at the well, and when he shared with the woman at the well, she went back and she shared with everyone else what he had said and revival took place in Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria. It wasn't about him. It was what God was calling him to do. It was what God had ordained him to do, and so he set his face to do it, and he would not be detoured. What would the world look like if we all had the same heart that Jesus has, when he says, I'm not going to think of myself in this situation, but I'm gonna think about the good that I can do if I minister and if I serve these people. I'm called to lay down my rights. I'm called to lay down, surrender my desires. And I'm also called to lay down or surrender my life. Just like Jesus lays down and he surrenders his life upon the cross, I'm called to lay down my life.